Welcome everybody to November. We're into episode number nine of the CVA Grain Exchange. Uh, we've got a great guest today. Casey Potter is our Senior Vice President of Grain here at Central Valley Ag. Uh, really great background that he brings uh, to the cooperative business model. So excited to have Casey on today. We're going to be dissecting the November supply and demand report, uh, kind of the last time we see production updates from the USDA until January. So the December numbers uh, are only demand revisions and then some global tweaking. Um, but we really don't, we don't see any domestic uh, production revisions again until January. So a key report today to kind of give us some direction in the next 60 days. So uh, Casey, welcome to the CVA Grain Exchange. Uh, tell us a little bit about your background. Uh, thanks, Luke. Just uh, glad uh, glad to be a guest here today, and I'm glad that I get to speak about the report that uh, gave some people some $4 corn in our country. So, uh, yeah, a little bit about uh, myself, Luke. Uh, basically, been here at CVA for, you know, about 18 months. Um, before that, I was with ADM for nine years and uh, was in the cooperative system uh, prior to ADM. Um, started uh, my merchandising origination grain career with Frontier Co-op in, in uh, Mead, Nebraska uh, in 2001 and uh, started as originator, uh, worked up to a merchandiser. Uh, from there I moved on to uh, Farmers Co-op in Farnhamville as a corn uh, merchandiser and eventually became the merchandising manager. At ADM, I, I, uh, my wife and I both worked for ADM at a, for a point in time there for about nine years. Uh, we lived in Illinois and Nebraska. Uh, last position with ADM was the grain origination manager for, for the Columbus corn plant. Um, so glad to be here at CVA, glad to be able to work with the team and in the cooperative system. Uh, again, as, uh, you know, as you know, I mean, uh, cooperative system is owned by its members and uh, anytime we can uh, create value and, and push that back to the farm, I'm excited to be a part of that. And we're excited to have you, Casey. And, you know, you touched on that. And we like to, to really explain that a little bit in this podcast. But from your chair, what are some what are some examples, excuse me, of how CVA is living its mission and vision? Yeah, just to, just an overview of the mission of CVA. I mean, the mission of CVA is to is embracing the cooperative spirit to uh, deliver value to its members. And our vision statement is to be a world-class cooperative, ensuring the long-term success of our employees and customers. Um, there's just a number of examples uh, throughout, uh, you know, the course of a day that uh, shows that CVA is living its mission and vision. Um, you know, from my standpoint, I mean, uh, just looking at the harvest push here that we've had, uh, you know, in COVID, uh, basically what happened, uh, you know, in the middle of March there with COVID, we saw a lot of our local demand kind of disappear, you know, with the, with the drop in uh, energy prices. And uh, our people here at CVA basically, you know, just went into action and, and we knew that, uh, you know, we needed to create markets for our, for our patrons and, and uh, those markets were going to be, you know, accessed through our shuttle loaders in the area. And, and uh, you know, we, we went from, you know, shipping quite a bit of local corn, you know, uh, to, to the local ethanol plants to, to, to finding markets and, and moving, moving corn outside of our trade area. We generally moved a fair amount before, but, uh, you know, in this case, we, we shipped an additional 17 million bushels of corn um, outside uh, through our shuttle facilities versus years prior, the local market wanted that corn. Um, 
you know, that, that started back in April and it just continued through September and then September, uh, October hit. And, uh, you know, we went from bean harvest right into corn harvest and we continue to ship aggressive amounts of corn, uh, this time to, to, uh, satisfy the Chinese demand. Um, a lot of our trains went to the PNW and to the Texas Gulf and, uh, you know, basically we, our, our, our people, uh, uh, loaded trains on a very consistent and regular basis and uh, you know a lot of them were nights I mean a lot of one o'clock in the morning type arrivals ETAs and and our, our crews are there to load them and get them out and continue to keep the doors open in order to for harvest to operate smoothly here um, the other thing we're doing is we continually find markets I mean uh, uh, we have you know we have a specialty division um, that that trades white corn, you know food grade yellow corn and non-GMO yellow corn. Um, you know we we continue to try to create those differentiations uh, from our from our competition. You know access those markets and pro provide uh, those those bids locally uh, to our producers that are near our facilities. And then the the final thing is we just continue to invest in our people. Um, you know, the staff that, uh, that, that work for you, Luke, is, is one example uh, of the dedication that they have to create awareness out in the country when good prices appear or, you know, when things make sense to, to, to make a sale and, and protect the revenue and lock that revenue in the farm. And we're continually trying to get better at that. We're continually investing resources in, into our people to, and technology to, to make sure that, we're, that, that uh, we are uh, the trusted advisor um, and the one that uh, you know gets gets the last look at the grain because they know that they'll be treated fairly. So those are the things that I feel that you know we're doing as CVA Luke uh, to help us you know live our mission and vision. Well, a lot of really good things there, Casey, and and uh, you know you touched on the talent, you touched on uh, the execution piece of. Uh, Kind of reacting to a market that was changing when COVID hit, ethanol uh, kind of took a hit, and energy consumption in the U.S. took a hit. So uh, sometimes I think we probably take that for granted in our footprint. Uh, demand is so heavy in the Midwest, uh, the Western Corn Belt, for uh, both feed and ethanol, and sometimes we forget about those shuttle facilities that can export markets. So uh, they've they've certainly been valuable to the cooperative system, and again, uh, farmers own those facilities and. Uh, uh, are able to take advantage of them in a, a year like this when exports are up, you know, incredibly. So uh, that's a good segue as we kind of turn to the markets today. Uh, Casey alluded to it, $4 corn across the territory. Uh, we're seeing a lot of that at uh, local elevators. Uh, corn up 15 today. Deese corn at 423 is where we settled. Uh, soybeans 35 cents higher today on the Jan, uh, up to 11.46. So new highs all across the board for the move. Uh, as commodities and the bull run is healthy and intact. So today, uh, again, we got the full balance sheet update. So USDA uh, looking at the 2021 crop. Corn yield was down 2.6 bushels an acre today. 175.8 is where the USDA came in. Expectations of 177.7. Uh, so towards the low end, actually below the low end of the trade estimate. So that was deemed supportive. Uh, production was cut 215 million bushels. On the demand side of the ledger, we saw corn for feed usage down 75 million. Uh, and then the big uh, jump in corn exports was really the other bullish tilt today, uh, up 325 million bushels uh, to 2.650 billion. So big corn export number on the balance sheet, 
that kind of coincides with a cut to Ukrainian uh, corn production. Many were wondering if the USDA would do that today. They did. Uh, we did see the USDA cut uh, production there by 8 million metric tons. So really you're seeing corn exports rotate from the Black Sea region over to the US uh, as we just have some global issues kind of compounding um, at the same time. So US corn carry out 1.702 billion bushels. Uh, that's tighter than the market was expecting today. Uh, so corn off to the races. Casey, what are your thoughts on today's numbers? Ending stocks of 1.7 is the number that I'm I'm looking at here today, Luke. Um, also, uh, the you know, exports at uh, 2.65 billion bushels. Uh, that is a, that is a very very strong number, and uh, just continues to confirm that the U.S. is the cheapest corn in the world. Um, with with those numbers being printed today, it just puts more urgency on South America to have a good uh, safrana crop and uh, also puts urgency on the U.S. farmer to, to, to plant the acres next year again. Um, the other encouraging thing is that ethanol demand is at uh, just a slightly over 5 billion bushels, and they didn't reduce that, uh, but they did reduce feed just a touch, but uh, they kept ethanol above 5 billion uh, bushels, which is, which is nice to see and says that, you know, that, that market is, is, is healthy and they perceive that COVID, uh, maybe the darkest days are, are uh, we're in them potentially or behind us. So uh, those are all good things to see, Luke. And uh, it's nice to see some profitability get back, you know, into the corn market for, for producers. Amen to that. You know, really the double whammy today with lower production, increased demand. Uh, you know, we just, we haven't seen a carry out this tight in a number of years and, you know, stocks to use ratios getting close to, you know, 10, 11%. And, and that's really where things get exciting you know, for the corn market, a question I have for you and, and something that you might be able to answer for us, you know, exports on corn at 2650, uh, we've got bean exports uh, sitting at 2.2 billion. What's U.S. capacity really allow us to do? I mean, we've got big export programs for both commodities. You know, are we at a point here where, you know, we're moving beans out of the country pretty hard and fast right now? Does corn kind of take a backseat early and then steal the show later, you know, as beans kind of fade and go to South America. How does that work and how does it impact uh, the farmer in the interior in our footprint? Yeah, I mean, today is, is a perfect example. I mean, we, we are at capacity today and, and beans command the elevations at the Gulf at, at this point in time. Uh, we are seeing a lot of fringe capacity get used. Um, you know, what do I mean by fringe capacity? Some of that may be, uh, um, you know, the Toledo, you know, where we're sending Lakers to Europe. Um, Texas Gulf is kind of fringe capacity for corn and beans. Um, Mobile, Alabama is fringe capacity. Um, so, I mean, we're seeing that capacity all get used here today um, to, to, to just handle the bean program. I mean, last week alone, we shipped uh, 91.7 million bushels of beans outside of the country, and we shipped uh, roughly 27 million bushels of, of uh, corn outside of the country. So, the, those are just large, large numbers, and we continue to sell, uh, have very aggressive export sales. So uh, today it, it's a bean story uh, through the end of Mar or through the end of uh, January, uh, we'll transition to corn um, from February uh, to May. And then once, once May rolls around, then we'll have to see what the safrana crop, you know, the size of that. And if the US, if uh, China and the world switches back to South America, uh, to, to grab their corn needs uh, for, from Brazil. Now that's, that's uh, 
not determined yet, but uh, the U.S. will stay competitive uh, and will be, you know, the primary supplier of corn uh, once we get into February. Yeah, you you know, you had touched on the safrina crop a little bit. Um, USDA didn't acknowledge any issues there today. We've got uh, Brazil at 110 million metric ton production and Argentina at 50. So uh, I know folks are a little concerned about some dry weather in South America up to this point, USDA uh, not budging, you know, on their numbers. So we'll have to definitely pay attention to that as we go forward. So great insights there, Casey, on corn. Uh, I want to flip it over to the bean side of things and we'll let the We'll let you keep your bullish horns on here, Casey, as we transition to beans. Um, on the bean side of the ledger today, uh, yield was cut 1.2 bushels uh, per acre. Uh, that pulls the bean yield down to 50.7, uh, and that was versus expectations today of 51.6. So we were on the way low end uh, of expectations today. Uh, production gets cut uh, 98 million bushels. And then on the demand side, really no notable revisions, which that might be notable in, in and of itself, uh, just with the bean export program we've got going on, no adjustment there today. Just had some small uh, adjustments to seed and residual usage up 3 million bushels. Uh, so overall, the carryout goes down 100 million bushels to 190, and that was at the low end of expectations. Market was searching for uh, kind of a 235 million bushel number today. So Stocks to use on beans all the way down to 4.2%, um, almost feeling like pipeline status here to where uh, it's hard to get beans a lot tighter. And I would expect we probably have a bigger export number coming at some point. But Casey, your thoughts on today's uh, soybean S&D? Uh, thoughts on the soybean S&D? Uh, you know, basically, I think you hit it on the head, Luke. I mean, really don't really couldn't take exports up anymore. Uh, left them at the 2.2 billion just because if you if you did, um, you could probably justify maybe 100 million more exports. Uh, now all of a sudden you're below uh, pipeline supplies and I don't think the USDA is ready to go there in the November report. So a lot of, a lot of unknowns between now and in the South American crop, but, uh, but definitely um, the balance sheet is tight. It's gonna continue to, you know, create, uh, you know, the market will continue to put risk premium in it in itself here and we're dealing with the futures market so uh south american supply will be debated here uh for the next uh six to eight weeks and as we go through the holidays and uh that uh with with soybeans uh you know crush numbers are still solid and we continue to see good uh crush margin um out there for both uh, uh for the U u.s domestic crushers so uh, excited about soybeans. I mean, I think uh, with today's run up and we're probably fairly priced on beans, the market needs to take a break and a breather. And generally with the holidays coming around or at least uh, 10 days away, you, you'd like to see these traders kind of uh, kind of pull pull profits off the table and, and uh, enjoy the holidays with their families. And, and then it comes down to South American weather and uh, what, what the Chinese do. Do they come back to the U.S. and, and buy additional needs or or uh, do they have enough bought uh, to get them through their uh, uh, Chinese New Year? So my th those are kind of my just thoughts in, uh, in summary there, Luke. Um, yeah, good and good inputs, Casey. You, you know, you kind of talked about pipeline status and just for our listeners, what does that mean exactly when we say beans are down to pipeline status? 
Yeah, uh, good question. Uh, pipeline status is just basically beans in transit. So it's just basically the beans that have left the elevator or the country that are in transit to uh, uh, its final destination, whether it could be an export elevator in New Orleans, Louisiana, or it could be you know, a processing plant in Lincoln, Nebraska. So when you say pipeline, I mean, it's just the beans in transit uh, from the origin to the destination. And, and do we have an idea of what that number is in the U.S. system? Uh, today, I would, my, I, everybody has a little variation of it, but uh, in my thought process, it's, it's uh, right around 120 to 130 million bushels of beans, so. Well, we're flirting with it then. Yes. <laughs> if we've got higher exports, you know, than what the USDA wants to acknowledge today, and, you know, it feels like they'll be higher, but who knows? Uh, yeah, we're going to be there. 190 million. You take another 70 off of that, uh, either between crush or exports. And yeah, we're we're getting down there. So uh, it's hard in beans, you know, because you've got crush, you've got exports. It's hard to ration bean demand because it just seems like those two buckets are really inelastic, crush and, and, and exports. So uh, at least in corn, they've got this black box called feed and residual demand that numbers kind of get sliced and diced and uh, uh, magic stuff comes out the other end. So uh, beans don't have that luxury, it feels like. So. Yeah, beans are, beans are fairly well counted. Corn, not so well counted. Yes. But uh, it, does, it is, it is going to create some excitement this spring. And uh, that's, that's one thing is I, I do personally believe the seasonals uh, are uh, going to work much better this year than they did last year, obviously, because there will be a bid uh, to make sure we get the acres planted. Absolutely. I mean, that, and that, that's exciting for 21 and the possibilities in front of our producer base uh, really is that it feels like profitability has returned, which you alluded to. Uh, and it feels like it's, it, it's going to present those opportunities for 21. It already is. Um, but producers should be looking at that. And, and uh, you know, if they've got opportunities hanging out there, just make sure we're pushing the pencil and, and know what's available to you today uh, to have a good year next year as well. Casey, I'm going to go a touch off script here and, and ask you a question because I think it's relevant right now. Um, we, we have the election kind of in the rear view and there's a few things that are uh, still being sorted out, but it feels like we're, we will have uh, Biden as a president going forward. And just uh, any of your off the cuff thoughts on how that impacts uh, agriculture and just maybe our producers here just from an ag, from the ag side uh, with a change in administration. Yeah, no, good question, Luke. And that's something that we've been debating here internally, you know, at least for the last five, well, it started back in September when we uh, at uh, our senior team kind of retreat on, you know, what happens if, if uh, you know, Biden is elected president, you know, what changes to our business we'll see. Um, you know, one thing we know that, uh, you know, more than likely regulation does get stepped up a little bit more. Um, you know, it seems like we had a four-year break uh, from that. It was more pro-business, uh, now we, you know, we now we go back to uh, more of a regulatory environment, and and uh, and then and you know, how does the EPA react? Do we see you know waters of the U.S. Uh, begin to to rear its head? I mean, I do think uh, from a global trade standpoint, um, with the new um, administration, with the Biden administration, we'll see more uh, discipline. Um, we'll see we'll see more. Uh, it'll be uh, more predictable um, type 
type approach um, to any type of trade conflicts um, that may arise. I think uh, I think they the Biden administration will be softer on China. Um, there'll be more of a uh, you know compromising type uh, 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 speak, and uh, I think I think ultimately that that uh, does help us for agriculture. As you know, we depend on exports uh, to to make uh, to make agriculture go here in the U.S. Um, I also think uh, your renewable fuels definitely um, will be treated uh, more favorably. I think under the Trump administration, we saw RIN waivers kind of uh, you know kind of uh, debase the ethanol side of things, and and uh, you know I think under the Biden administration, I mean there'll be kind of a return to green, and uh, you know. Uh, we'll also see a lot more emph emphasis on uh, carbon credits and sustainability, which are are all all things that uh, you know we at the at CVA are working on and to figure out how do we find the value in that. How can we tell our story to help our members, you know, access those markets uh, that that potentially could be there uh, with, with the new administration. So those are the items that uh, you know we feel uh, we'll need to be prepared for that'll be coming down the pipe. Well, kind of a little bit of a loaded question and putting you on the hot seat there with uh, a lot of things we don't know for certain today as the market tries to sort itself out. But even with how commodities have reacted, they don't, uh, the market's not concerned uh, about that direction, at least for the moment. And I guess when the fundamentals are tight, uh, they can afford to put any concerns to the side, at least momentarily. So. Uh, Casey, really appreciate uh, you coming on today. If there were any parting thoughts you wanted to provide uh, the listeners on just market thoughts over the next 30 days here, what what would you share? Yes, uh, just, you know, be, be prepared to uh, kind of step into these rallies here. I mean, uh, we get into the holidays. I mean, a lot of things can happen. Um, you know, the, the funds are very long, both corn and bean futures. Uh, so manage money can liquidate at any time. And you have to remember they have a bottom line to protect. Um, the other thing I'd encourage, uh, you know, our listeners to do is just take time. You know, we got uh, harvest put away for the most part. Ammonia is going to get put on here probably next week. Um, just take time uh, to, to work at your business. Um, you know, understand your costs look for opportunities to hedge revenue here going forward and understand what is a reasonable return on investment for unpriced grain here in the 2020-2021 crop. I know we get we get kind of stuck into price targets, but at the end of the day, I mean, you're the one that knows, you know, what uh, makes your operation go. And uh, when you get to a reasonable return on investment, um, from what your expectations were or what your break-evens were for the year, you know, don't be afraid to take that, uh, make that sale. Uh, Cause you know, the thing is you're going to be producing corn and beans next year again, and, and we'll have an opportunity to sell uh, those, uh, I believe this spring at, uh, at some pretty nice levels again. So, but uh, just want to thank you for the opportunity to be on Luke and uh, you know, wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving and uh, you know, safe, uh, and as you know, safe fall season here. Well, Casey, awesome job. We appreciate your thoughts. Love to tap into your to your knowledge and experience. Uh, you know, as we try to navigate these markets, wonderful, wonderfully done. That's going to wrap things up for episode number nine for Luke Casey. That's going to do it. Uh, we'll talk to you in December.